Good morning. Well, I'm glad to be here once again. This is like my, my home away from home. And in fact, you know, one of the first lectures I ever gave, even before the book came out, people were curious about, you know, what are you doing with the Klan and all that kind of thing. Um, and some people did not want to talk to me, you know, did not want to hear about it. But, uh, but Wes, uh, Wes brought me in and, and I gave one of my first lectures right here, you know, almost uh, 17, 18 years ago or something. And I've been, I've been doing this ever since. But uh, today, you know, I'm going to speak to you about the importance of communication. Not so much the Klan, but I'm going to use the Klan as an example, as a tool. And, you know, we, you know we're going to do this in honor of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And as uh, Stuart here pointed out, you know, King embraced all people, white, black, any, any ethnicity, any gender, any social uh, economic status. It didn't matter. He wanted us all to come together. And he gave his I Have a Dream speech in which uh, some of the dreams that he, that he uh, dreamt did come true before his assassination, while some others came true after his death, and while others have yet to come true, and those perhaps are left up to us to try to bring them to fruition and, uh, and reality. And one of the dreams that I want to address today, he said that he had a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, that the sons of slaves would be able to sit down with the sons of slave owners, former slave owners and former slaves, be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. Now, what does that mean? The sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners. We could look at it as perhaps those who are or, or have been oppressed being able to sit down with those who did the oppressing, their oppressors. And that's what, that was the dream of kings that most inspired me. To sit down with people who would seek to oppress me, who would seek to hurt me, who would seek to impede uh, my advancement and deny me equality. Sit down and talk with them and get to know, learn about them and allow them to also learn about me. So I want to show you this, uh, this video clip. And, uh, and again, we apologize you know, that the lighting is going to kind of wash it out. But before you, before you show it, you say a couple more words. Um, this is a video of me at a uh, Ku Klux Klan rally in, uh, in Maryland with the, uh, with the head of the Ku Klux Klan. And I want you to pay particular attention to what he says. His name is uh, Roger Kelly. And um, <coughs> I was told before I met Roger Kelly, Daryl, by, by somebody, a former uh, Klan member, told me, Daryl, do not fool with Roger Kelly. Roger Kelly will kill you. But I wanted to meet this guy. I wanted to sit him down and talk with him as I was doing my research 
uh, for my book. So I persuaded this individual to give me Mr. Kelly's uh, information, uh, his, uh, his phone number, his address, etc., which he gave me under duress on, you know, on the condition that I not tell Mr. Kelly where I got his personal information. <laughs> so uh, I, I agreed to, you know, to, to that. But uh, Mr. Kelly and I did get together. We did interview uh, for my book. And over time, uh, Mr. Kelly uh, would, uh, would come to my house. And he would bring his bodyguard with him, which is known as a Nighthawk. Uh, this guy who wears camouflage military fatigues uh, with the Ku Klux Klan insignia right here, which is a red circle, the white cross, and a red blood drop in the center. Or sometimes he would wear the black robe and hood. Uh, Nighthawk means security, means bodyguard and clan terminology. So uh, anyway, he'd, he'd bring his Nighthawk over to my house, and Mr. Kelly would sit on my couch, and uh, he and I would talk, and sometimes the Nighthawk would be bored, he'd pull out his gun and just pull it on his finger like this. But um, over time, you know, I began bringing over some of my black friends, some of my white friends, some of my Jewish friends, you know, people who would not necessarily agree with Mr. Kelly's ideology, just to give him, <laughs> just, just to give him an opportunity to converse with somebody other than me. I didn't want him to think that I was some kind of exception or something. I wanted him to have other experiences. And, um, oh, you know, Mr. Kelly did not invite me to his house. And at the time, he was known as, uh, as a grand dragon. Grand dragon means state leader, okay? Two years later, he, got promo he was a state leader for Maryland. Two years later, uh, he, he got promoted to imperial wizard. Imperial wizard means national leader oversees all the states in which there's a chapter of uh, his Ku Klux, uh, Ku Klux Klan group. So anyway, uh, after he became Imperial Wizard, he began, well, he began inviting me to his house. I'd go to his house, I'd see his clan den where he'd have his meetings and things like that. I'd take notes from my book. And he was coming down to my house by himself without his Nighthawk. He trusted me that much. And then he began inviting me to clan rallies. So this clip here... I want you to pay attention to what he says. He says that even though he and I would do different things together, it did not change his views on the Ku Klux Klan because his views on the Klan had been cemented in his mind for many years. And then he goes on to say how he believes in separation of the races because he finds that to be in the best interest of all races. So let's listen to that, and then listen to what he says at the end of the clip, and then we'll discuss that. CNN Sunday morning. 
I'm Bob Kane, and today for Miles O'Brien. Good morning to you all. I'm Joey Chun. Friendship can transcend all kinds of boundaries. Just look at us. And two men in Washington area are showing that even an African-American man and a member of the Ku Klux Klan can find common ground. CNN's Carl Rochelle reports. Gerald Davis plays a hot piano. It's part of the show, and it makes him stand out. He also stands out here. Davis is one of the few African-Americans you will ever find attending a KKK rally. More than attending, he is welcome. I got more respect for that black man than I do you white niggers out there. It's been a tough day for the Klan. Their Maryland rally found many local residents rejecting the message of white separatism. After it's over, Daryl Davis hangs around backstage with his friend, Klan wizard Roger Kelly. It's not unusual for blacks and whites to be friends, but it is unusual to find a black man and a Klan leader chatting pleasantly over an orange soda after a Klan rally. The relationship started over a book Davis was writing. His secretary set up an interview with Roger Kelly, but didn't tell him Davis was black. They talked and talked some more. Davis learning about the Klan, Kelly learning about Davis. We get to know one another and we do different things, you know, it's... It hasn't changed my views about the Klan, you know, because my views on the Klan's been pretty much cemented in my mind for years. Kelly and his Klan friends go to hear Davis and his band. And Davis goes to their rallies. I sat on, on, on the front row and, uh, and listened to each uh, Klansman speak. Um, some things I agreed with, other things I did not agree with. Davis thinks that his presence promotes badly needed understanding. Hate stems, I believe, from fear, from fear of the unknown. And I think this is all across the board, regardless of whether it's a Klansman or anything else. But he has no illusions about the Klan. If he did, his friend would be quick to disabuse them. And I believe in separation of the races. I believe that's in the best interest of all races. Does he really? Or has friendship transcended the color barrier? Listen to Kelly at a Klan rally. I'm a Colorado man to hell and back, because I believe in what he stands for and he believes in what I stand for. A lot of times we don't agree with everything, but at least he respects me to sit down and listen to me. And I respect him to sit down and listen to him. The strange relationship of a KKK wizard and his black buddy. In Washington, I'm Carl Rochelle, CNN Sunday Morning. Strange. Good adjective. Strange. Certainly that. <laughs> okay. That's the clip. And that clip was shown every hour for 24 hours all over the world. But more importantly, you know, you heard this man who led a hate organization say that even though he and I would not, I mean, even though he and I would do different things together, it did not change his views on the plan. Because his views on the plan had been cemented in his mind for years. And he goes on to say how he believes in separation of the races because he finds that to be in the best interest of all races. Very hardcore individual. And he has the largest clan organization in the state of Maryland. Very strong organization at one time. But at the end of that clip, he said something that all of us, each person in this room, can take home 
with them and apply in our daily lives. He said that he respected me, the imperial wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, respected me. I'm his enemy. I'm the black guy. He's my enemy. He's, he's in the Klan. He's my oppressor. Okay? He said, we may not agree on everything, but at least he respects me to sit down and listen to me, and I respect him to sit down and listen to him. That's what he said. Very, very important for all of us to apply. If you have an adversary, someone with an opposing point of view, it doesn't have to be racial. Let's take race out of it. It could be about anything. It could be about the war in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. It could be about abortion. It could be about nuclear weapons. It could be about any controversy that's going on today in the news. You know, there's always going to be somebody on one side and somebody on the other. All right? So whatever the situation is, allow your opponent, your adversary, to air their point of view regardless of how extreme it may be. It may be so extreme, it cuts you to the bone. And I've been to many Klan rallies all across the country. I was at one a few months back in, out in uh, Missouri. And, you know, you hear things that will cut you to the bone. Give that person the opportunity to air their platform. If you agree with what they're saying, fine, no problem. If you don't agree with, uh, with what they're saying, that's fine too. No problem. You challenge them. You challenge them politely and non-violently. You say, look, I need more clarification. Explain to me just in a little more detail why you think I need to believe this way. Convince me that you're right. I want to understand where you're coming from. And when you do things like that, there's an excellent chance that they, in turn, will reciprocate and allow you a platform to explain your point of view. You make sure that you have done your homework so you have your facts together and you can present your platform in an intelligent and influential manner. Because at the end of the day, you have to weigh things. And if you say something to somebody that goes against what they have believed from day one to however old they may be today, but you plant the seed and a little spark occurs, it may not catch flame that same day. But over time, they begin thinking, you know, she does have a point there. Hmm. And they might begin to evaluate their own ideology. And same thing, if they say something to you that gets you to thinking, hey, you know what, I need, I need to, to, to take another look at this. And if you, because you know, everybody wants to be right. We all want to be right. Nobody wants to be wrong. <laughs> all right? And you have what um, stupidity and ignorance. Some people define stupidity and ignorance as being synonymous. I don't. For me, an ignorant person is someone who makes the wrong choice or makes a bad, incorrect decision because he or she does not have the proper facts. 
to make the right decision. A stupid person is someone who has the facts, but still makes the wrong decision. Okay? So, if I tell everybody, I mean, if I, if I tell nobody that the, sto- that the uh, pot on the stove is hot, don't touch it. If I don't tell anybody that, anybody walking into the room is ignorant to the fact that that's a hot frying pan or pot or whatever, and they might go to move it and consequently burn their hand due to that ignorance. But if I inform them, don't touch the, uh, the handle of that frying pan or that pot. It's hot. It will burn you. Now, and I put a sign on the stove, don't touch. <laughs> right? Everybody is informed. Now, if everybody has this information and one of these people still goes over there and picks it up and then, and then wonders why his hand is scalded, it's because he's stupid. <laughs> okay? He had the information, but he chose not to use it. Now, fortunately... There is a cure for ignorance. That cure is called education. Unfortunately, there's no cure for stupidity. If you give the person the education and they choose not to use it, there's nothing you can do until they employ that information to their advantage. Fortunately, there are those... All of us are ignorant to to some degree about certain things. I mean, I don't know how to how to change spark plugs in my car. And somebody out here probably does. I could learn, though. So auto mechanics is, is, is a point of my ignorance. Um, but we all can learn different things from each other. And Mr. Kelly and I would continue our conversations even after my book came out. We would get together, we would have dinner. The head of the Ku Klux Klan and talk about racism, about different things, about the latest movie in the theater or whatever. Just various social things. And over time, that cement that he talked about, that held his ideas together, began to get cracks in it. And then it began to crumble. And then later it just fell apart. And today Mr. Kelly is out of the Ku Klux Klan. He's been out for a while now. And he no longer believes in what uh, he said on that video. He embraces all people now. It's taken him a while, so it's a gradual journey. But the seed was planted a long time ago. The importance of communication, the importance of that respect of each other. Understand something. I did not respect what Mr. Kelly had to say. Okay, because I'm not a supremacist or a separatist or any kind of a racist. I did not respect what he had to say. However, I respected his right to say it. You understand the difference, right? Okay, and the same thing with him. So we would go back and forth over dinner, talking. And here is the point uh, that Martin Luther King made. The son's of former slaves sitting down at the table of brotherhood with the sons of former slave owners. That was Mr. Kelly and myself and many others that I sat down with. Like I said, there, there, there'll be those, there, there were those who would not sit down with me 
and there are those who are still in the Klan, you know, in different, different parts of the country, who will go to their graves being hateful and violent. We know that. But it's important to reach out and perhaps alleviate some of that ignorance through education, through exposure. And one important, well, two important things that I learned is this. When you are actively learning about someone else, as I was learning about uh, Roger Kelly and the Ku Klux Klan and the other Klan people that I would interview around the country, while you are actively learning about someone else, at the same time, you are passively teaching them about yourself. So always, always be honest. Because you think you're gleaning information from them. They are gleaning information from you, silently. They're observing your body language, your behavior, you know. You know it, and you've got to sell your own credibility before you can win anybody's trust. Okay? One ounce, one ounce of credibility is worth more than a ton of salesmanship. Because you're not going to buy anything from anybody, no matter how good it sounds, if you feel that you can't trust that individual. So you keep that in mind. The second thing that I learned is this. Always keep the lines of communication open with those who oppose you. Very important. Because when two enemies are talking, they are not fighting. They're talking. They may be disagreeing. They may be yelling and screaming and pounding the table, etc. But at least they're talking. Okay, they're not fighting. It's when the talking ceases that the ground becomes fertile for violence. So you always want to keep the lines of communication open. You know, when... Um, we all saw the video on the news uh, some months back when we uh, went and met with the uh, Taliban and got, um, what was the man's name, Bergdahl, right? And, and our, our U.S. military went up to the Taliban people, shook their hands, and took Bergdahl and left. And we find out that the Taliban people wanted to talk to our soldiers. We didn't want to talk to them. We wanted to get this guy and get out of there. To me, that was the wrong move. We all are human beings. It's not a question of we're right and they're wrong or vice versa. It's a question of putting a human face on everybody. Perhaps had we spent the time, just a few minutes, talking with each other, letting them get to know our soldiers, us getting to know them, put a human face on mankind, it may have planted a seed that day that would reduce the animosity that we have against them, against us. Just planting that seed. We keep the lines of communication open because when two enemies are talking, they are not fighting. And as a result of, um, of all that talking, when, and, and sitting down at the table of brotherhood. When Mr. Kelly quit the Klan, he gave me his robe and hood. This is the robe of the Imperial Wizard, the same one that you saw him wearing in that video clip uh, with CNN. 
And of course, here we have the hood. This is the hood, or they also call it a helmet, and this is the mask. Members who want anonymity, they don't want you to know who they are, they wear this mask and peep at you through these eyelets. If they, if they don't care that you know who they are, the mask has three snaps on it. Just unsnap it, pull it off, and your face is exposed under the hood. And if you could see the, the video as washed out as it was, you would see both types, people with their faces covered and people with their, uh, with their faces uh, exposed. Now, you know, it, it bothers me a great deal that... Um, that we, as Americans, you know, call ourselves the greatest nation on the face of this earth. It's fine to be loyal, and I'm patriotic, I love my country, but I have some difficulty with that statement because we perhaps are the greatest technologically. We have the ability here in our country to put a man on the moon. And while Neil Armstrong is on the moon walking around talking about one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind, we can talk to him from right here on Earth all the way to the moon via satellite radio phone. We invented that technology. Everybody in here has a cell phone. Everybody in here has email. Hit a few words, hit a few numbers, hit send, and you're talking to somebody right next door in Virginia. California, Australia, Africa, China, anywhere on the face of this earth. We invented that technology. So tell me, how is it that we can talk to people all the way around the world and as far away as the moon, but some of us still have difficulty talking to the person who lives right next door to our house because they're a different religion, a different persuasion, a different color, a different whatever. So it seems to me that before we can call ourselves the greatest nation on the face of this earth, our ideology needs to catch up to our technology. And once we get them both up there, then we can truly brag about how great we are. Because folks, we are living in the 21st century. The 21st century, why are we still hearing about the Klan and neo-Nazis and black supremacists and white supremacists and all this other kind of stuff? in the 21st century. We are living in space-age times, but there's still too many of us still thinking with stone-age minds. So we've got to change that. And we change it not by ignoring it. We change it by keeping the lines of communication open. Thank you all very, very much.